0: Welcome to the Holy City Hoops Podcast, March Madness edition. Tomorrow is March 1st, and you know what that means—post-season college basketball. Today's episode is our annual CAA tournament preview. Yes, we have two makeup games on the schedule tonight, including Charleston versus Hofstra, but the majority of the bracket is already set. The games will be underway starting this Saturday in my neck of the woods, Washington D.C. Charleston, the sixth seed, they will play Hofstra again Sunday night in the final game of the quarterfinals. Should be a great tournament, usually is. Is this episode an excuse for me to not have to relive an excruciatingly painful last second, literally, lost to Drexel on Saturday? I don't know, you be the judge. We're looking forward, not backward. Here to preview the tournament is a good friend of the program, Mr. Brian Mull, He is extremely knowledgeable of the CAA, having been a beat writer for the Seahawks some time ago, now a college basketball writer with a soft spot in his heart for the mid-majors. No one better equipped to preview the conclusion of another wild CAA season. We're going to talk favorites, who's on upset alert, players to watch. If you're a fan of a CAA school, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, for one last time this regular season, let's get into today's episode. All right, Charleston basketball fans, we are welcoming in a an authority on the CAA, a man who has followed this league for a very long time, Mr. Brian Mull. Brian, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Tommy. Uh, appreciate you having me. Great time of the year, as we all know, turning the corner now towards Conference Tournament Week, which for my money, uh, especially this first week or so, is the best week of March Madness. Uh, tough to beat Thursday and Friday of the first round of the tournament. I'm not going to, uh, but just, uh, you know, everybody still has a chance right now, right? 350 plus basketball teams still believe that they can be the one to clip some nets.
0: Yeah. We're not talking talking JMU, but everybody else. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we, on sheer uh, volume and like wheeling in the TV to the classroom, like those first two days are awesome. But if you're in mid major, land like we are, I would agree. This league tournament week is a lot of fun. So just to set some parameters for everybody who's listening to this Monday morning, uh, we are recording this Sunday afternoon. Almost all the CAA games have wrapped up. The regular season for most teams is finished. There are two makeup games, Monday night, Hofstra versus CFC, which is an early preview of the game that these two teams are going to play in the quarterfinals. Uh, No seeding ramifications in that one. And then Towson versus Delaware in the final, what, 18 minutes of that game that got postponed due to court conditions. If Towson completes a comeback, they're down nine when that game was suspended. If they complete the comeback, they win the one seed. If they lose, it goes to UNCW. Do I have that right?
1: That is correct. Uh, Many eyes in Wilmington, North Carolina will be on their flow screen on Monday night for sure.
0: Yeah. So... One and two, the one and two seeds still up for grabs. Everything else is set. Uh, We've got Hofstra as the three seed, Delaware, Drexel in the 4-5 game. Charleston falls to six. We don't need to relive that Drexel finish. Elon is seventh. William & Mary and Northeastern are in the pig. The play-in game, hot seat Saturday, as I like to call it. I had actually said, Brian, I did not expect any new head coaches in the CAA next season. I'm starting to wonder about Dane Fisher. I don't know what's happening at William and Mary. Uh, I don't expect them to get past Northeastern in the playing game. What is going on in Williamsburg?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, the problem, and I have no real insight uh, as to their plans up there, it would be very unusual for William and Mary to part ways with a coach after two seasons, um, understanding the the breadth, the depth, and the challenges, the unique challenges that that job presents. Uh, they're not going to be as active in the transfer portal. They're going to have to build it with freshmen and and kind of develop it that way. All that being said, uh, this team, other than a little blip flash early in January has just not been competitive really, uh, night in and night out. And, and you would have hoped I'm sure for the William and Mary fan base that by this time of the year, they would have saw some things that, uh, you know, made him feel like this program's turning the corner and uh, we've got a lot of guys coming back next year and it's going to be, you know, we're going to we're going to get off to a good start. And I, I, I just I haven't seen it. Uh, it's been really, uh, you know, some glaring weaknesses. Uh, I, I think there is some talent there. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's interesting. New athletic director. That's never great for any coach who's struggling a little bit. And yeah, I, I think he'll be back. I, I would be stunned if they let him go, but I think next year is going to be, there's going to have to be significant improvement or or it would just really be hard to go any farther than that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's my sentiment as well. I, I think they're also still paying Tony Shaver. I forget when that expires, but I don't see them paying two guys to sit at home and watch basketball on TV. So I, I do think Dane will be back another season so perhaps it's not a true Hot Seat Saturday because we know Bill Cohen's not going anywhere. I'm not even sure who at Northeastern still knows Bill Cohen works there, judging by the attendance <laughs> numbers, but uh, he's not going anywhere. We'll, we'll take a pass on on Hot Seat Saturday. I We've only got one game, but I expect Northeastern to win this one comfortably just the way things have been trending.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, they just beat them by 30, held them to 28 points last week. Uh, you know... You, you give bill cohen a week to prepare for a basketball game and his team is going to have a very good understanding of of a game plan that can be effective i think we saw that a couple of saturday days ago when they had a week off and went to hofstra and i uh, really should have won the game
0: yeah. you know they had
1: a significant lead with a couple of minutes left and then and then hofstra on the day they were honoring former coach joe mahalik uh, just you know played an inspired couple of minutes yeah. and and pulled it out uh, to at that point remain in the regular season race uh, but northeastern has some talent you know I, I, it's been a it's been a case study in how poorly things can go if you do not have a point guard in college basketball no
0: uh, kidding that's yeah.
1: why most coaches like to have two of them <laughs> and are okay playing them together if necessary because They've got good pieces. Chris Daugherty is a fine post player. Uh, they have wings who, who, with a good point guard, would have had a much better seasons, but have had to play out of their comfort zone. And, uh, you know, to see a Bill Cohen team just continue to turn the ball over is very surprising. And yeah. and really, to, uh, for whatever reason, uh, not able to defend. Uh, you know, that's something else that we've come to expect top three defense at Northeastern. So, uh I know it's been a tough year for Bill. It seems like uh, every time it seemed like they were getting a little bit of momentum, they would lose another guy to an injury or uh, just whatever. And uh, then, you know, there just comes a point in February, you kind of are who you are. You yeah. know, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of miracle finishes, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think anybody's going to be overlooking Bill Cohen in the postseason. He is as good as they come in the league as a tactician and wouldn't overlook that team but it is going to be an uphill battle for the Huskies. Um, But let's let's jump ahead to the quarterfinals. Uh, We know some of these matchups already. Obviously, Drexel and Delaware are locked into that 4-5 game. Uh, Hofstra and CFC are locked into that 3-6 matchup. And we'll see how things fall, whether it's going to be UNCW or Towson playing Elon or UNCW or Towson playing uh, the winner of that William & Mary Northeastern game. Uh, Let's kick it off with this. What is your favorite potential quarterfinals matchups since it's not set in stone just yet
1: well not to be a homer uh here on a college of charleston it's okay podcast, i'm gonna be a homer
0: later it's all good
1: <laughs> but i'm intrigued by hofstra charleston i kind of wish they weren't playing monday night to be honest yeah. and then playing again that takes them a little bit of luster off off of it but i just think uh charleston is playing as well as they have all season uh i think their their style and ability to just keep pressure on teams, on the glass, their depth, uh, Meeks coming back and playing some very quality minutes uh, yesterday is is encouraging. Um, I know that Brendan Tucker went down in that game. But I know he came he came back in. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Had a good second yeah. half. Yeah. So so he's fine. Um, and you know Charleston is a team in tournament basketball. Like shooting will carry you through the regular season. You get to play half your games at home in a comfortable gym. And you you can rely on it a little bit, making some shots. But there's a lot of missed shots in college tournaments, in conference tournaments. And Charleston has a team who can get on the glass as well as anybody and create those opportunities. And just they're competing at a very high level. So um, that being said, I think Hofstra is good enough to win three games in a row and win the tournament as well. So that's a fascinating matchup to me. Does Charleston become that Cinderella early and, and, you know, have a, have an opportunity to really do something special in Pat Kelsey's first season, or does, does Hofstra, uh, you know, use their experience and and kind of take care of business that that's a, that's an intriguing matchup for sure.
0: These teams might put up some fireworks. We may see, you know, approaching 90 to a hundred points in this game, uh, depending on how those shots fall. Aaron Estrada, to me, is the player of the year. Um, You know, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I I just think he's the the best player in the league. We saw him cut up Charleston uh, in Charleston when these teams played. But we've alluded to this on Twitter. Charleston's been in every game. You know, they haven't lost a game by more than eight points. Most of the games have actually even come down to free throws in the final seconds or a final possession. So I do think it'll be close. I agree with you. These teams playing six days before the tournament does kind of take some wind out of the sails in that matchup. I don't know how both teams are going to compete knowing that their seeds are locked in, uh, but in terms of pure entertainment value, that should be a good one. I really like Drexel versus Delaware a lot just for the storylines. So you've got obviously the rivalry between these two teams, two older teams who are very familiar with each other, have been playing those opponents for a number of years. You've got the defending champs versus the preseason favorites. The only thing here is, you know, having watched Charleston play both Delaware and Drexel recently, the injuries to James Butler and Dylan Painter are very evident. Like, those guys are playing, but they do not look like the all-league guys they can be. Um, Amari Williams is a beast, and he's played phenomenally, but uh, I I wish we could see a fully healthy Delaware versus Drexel game because I I think that's a a good matchup.
1: No, I agree. I mean, like you said, two teams who started the season with veteran rosters and very realistic, uh, expectations of contending for the regular season championship. Uh, they've both been unable to, to, to win consistently against the the top team, you know, the, the win the games that you have to win, right. The top tier games and let them slip away. Uh, I was very surprised in Delaware's intensity yesterday, uh, coming off a horrible defensive performance against Charleston. And then um, just, it was obvious to me watching from afar that UNCW uh, had more, way more intensity and way more effort and uh, won all the 50-50 balls. And uh, they looked like a team that was playing for a championship and Delaware looked like a team that maybe realized uh, its regular season ship had sailed and uh, focused towards the tournament. But you're absolutely right. I mean, Dylan Painter, most impactful post player in the league i thought coming into the season certainly we saw flashes of that uh in the non-conference and early in the season and anytime you heard martin inglesby talk uh we need to get him the ball more we need to play inside out when he when we're getting him the ball and he's you know scoring or getting to the foul line it it just opens things up for us on the perimeter and i think when when he was out the guards were maybe asked to do uh you know too much and 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 you're just not going to be as consistent firing from the from the outside I do think they're they are a team with enough talent and experience to kind of reset in the conference tournament though yeah and maybe uh, this week off allows painter to get to a point where uh he's a he's a little more effective you know a high ankle sprain is no fun for anybody in in basketball but especially for a big guy you know a guy like that where um it, it's just going to take some time and, and and you know being a senior I'm sure he wanted to try to play through it but uh yeah, Drexel's been a bit of an enigma. Uh, they're kind of a make-or-miss team to me. When they're making shots, they look good, and but when they're not, they don't, and they don't do enough of the little things, I think. Uh, and... Uh, you know, Cam Winters had a nice year, but but frankly, I expected a little bit more for from him late, yeah. late in some games when, like, okay, the playbook's out the window. You just need a guard who can go get you a bucket, if you will, and make a play f- for himself or a teammate. And I thought that, uh, you know, he's fallen short in those expectations. I mean, last year they won the tournament. It, it was favorable for them uh, in that they had been healthy, and a lot of other teams had not, you know, with COVID pauses. And then they just shot the lights out yeah. of it for three days. I mean, if you do that, you're, you, you know, your chances are pretty good. So uh, are they capable of doing that again? Absolutely. But uh, look, it's hard to repeat in anything. It's, you know, it's hard to defend your championship in, in any sporting venture. And uh, you know, it'll be that, that is a, that is a game between two teams that uh, maybe one of them can catch some fire and then have an opportunity to knock off the top seed in the, in the semifinals.
0: Yeah. No matter how the top two seeds shake out, whether it's Towson or UNCW playing Elon, there is some juicy storylines there as well. Obviously Elon ended UNCW's win streak earlier this season. Towson, I'm very high on on Towson. They've taken care of Elon both times, but UNCW, Elon could be a fun rematch. Again, I, I touched on this a little bit. I think Mike Schragi is a great coach. Um, we saw it last year in the tournament, Elon coming out of nowhere, and and that's actually a, a nice segue to the next topic. I wanted to run by you is upset potential here. So a team seeded fifth or lower who can make a run at the championship game, like we saw last. I mean, last year we saw the sixth seed versus the eight seed in the championship game. And Drexel took it over Elon. Uh, so who do you think could be this year's Elon potentially?
1: Uh, I think Charleston has the best chance. Great answers. I- Great answer so far. I think they have the most uh talent of those teams in the bottom half. Uh and uh I think they have I just tend to focus on teams that rebound this time of the year because shooting becomes difficult. You're on a neutral court, uh, it's unfamiliar. The pressure of uh, you know, you just don't see teams firing in 12 three pointers like they can in the regular season. Every shot's a little tighter, every possession's more magnified, and uh the way that they're able to defend the paint at times and rebound the basketball. I like their chances. Uh, Elon, you're right, uh, to kind of veer off just a bit. Uh, not only did they beat Wilmington in at Elon, but they were winning, uh, by seven or eight points fairly late in the second half of the game in Trask, which was kind of at the beginning of that winning streak when we still weren't sure exactly what UNC Wilmington was going to be. And that was a, uh, you know one of their many comeback victories uh but certainly elon would go into that game with a ton of confidence feeling like they could compete with this you know over 80 minutes uh it was pretty even um and they competed with this team and uh you know uh, the pressure is on the higher seeds in conference tournaments there's no doubt about it when you're when you're coming in as a six or seven or as an eight uh, you, that you can play play a little free play a little looser uh, nobody's expecting you to win when you're wearing those dark uniforms
0: yeah. And Elon is coming into this tournament the same way they came into the one last year with a little bit of a win streak, a little bit of confidence building. I think they're relatively healthy. Hunter McIntosh can can swing a game. This was my homer pick. I also like Charleston as a lower seeded team. I vented about this a lot after the Drexel game, but Charleston was one second away from playing for a four seed here. The, they, they're going to have to settle for the sixth seed, no matter what happens against Hofstra. I think... The rebounding angle you brought up is, is a great point. I just thought Charleston has so many players who can swing a game. So what if Rain Smith shoots 6 for 10 from 3? Like, yep. anything can happen. What if Nick Farrar pops off the bench and gives you another 20-point game? Uh, you already mentioned Meeks, who's now healthy and doesn't have a knee brace on him, poured in 16 points off the bench against Drexel. So lots of guys who could who could get hot and, and make things happen. Optimistically, I hope they'll play loose and free, but they have also been prone to these slow starts uh, and these terrible finishes. Um, I think that's just the, the youth of the team. But I do like the shooting upside and the, uh, the rebounding floor that they've established. They are a, a very good offensive rebounding team.
1: Let's not forget that Pat Kelsey's on a six game conference tournament winning streak also. And, uh, you know, last year they won their three tournament games in the big South by an average of 25 points, which speaks to the immense talent, depth of talent he had recruited there, but he he's coming in with some confidence that he, he knows how to push the right buttons in March and get his team ready to play as well. I I'm sure Pat Kelsey wakes up with a lot of confidence. I don't think that's ever a problem for him, but, uh, you know, that matters like he, he hasn't done it in this league, but he's been through it and seen every team twice now and knows that um there are a few possessions away from from even in this year with such a young team being a top three or four team.
0: Going down the the list of the five and lower teams, Drexel, we, we've talked about them. I'm worried about Butler's health. They they seem a little shaky. They just, they've just been like 500 all season. Um, yeah, they do have a higher Ken Palm rating now than they did this time last year when they won the tournament. So they've got that going for them, but they were also one in five versus those top three seeds: UNCW Towson and Hofstra. Uh, like you said, just didn't, didn't get the, uh, the wins they needed to against the top tier in the CAA. Elon certainly capable of a championship run because we saw them do it last year, but William and Mary, not particularly scared of this team. Northeastern, it would just uh, end up on, on Bill Cohen's shoulders and Bill Cohen, out strategizing his opponent to to make some sort of run it,
1: it is worth noting that uh northeastern beat towson and played uncw fairly close in two games they're actually back-to-back games with some of the rescheduling they played in boston and turned around and played again in wilmington and uh you know both of those games were, were pretty highly competitive you know it'd be obviously be a monumental upset but um it's a, a coach in the league texted me a while back when it was kind of obvious that Northeastern was going to be in that eight nine slot and said that's a nightmare quarterfinal for a top seed to have to play a bill cohen team I mean yeah. there that is not the way especially Absolutely. uh let's not forget you know Northeastern will have come in uh if assuming they win with the game under their belt in the in the and uh that we've seen that before especially in the first yep. half uh carry over to uh you know just a little more comfortability and familiarity with the court and uh kind of you've gotten those pre-tournament jitters kind of out of your system a little bit
0: oh yeah yeah i mean it's a long layoff between games it's almost a full week so yeah if you get get those reps in the night before it could definitely be helpful uh let's go to the other side of the coin A top four team that you're worried will disappoint who you got i'm a little concerned with
1: hofstra Okay. I think they're the most volatile team in the tournament,
0: honestly. The The Elon game was certainly yes. dispiriting. Yeah, if I you're thought
1: uh, about two weeks prior to that, I thought they had really turned a corner and were building momentum. And they had some very impressive victories, both at home and on the road. Uh, they, they have not shown that they match up with Towson very well. I think Wilmington is a much better matchup for them. So I'm sure that they would kind of be pulling for Towson to get the top seed so that that you know potentially they would play Wilmington in the semis as opposed to Towson but uh yeah they just um you know they don't get to the free throw line a- at a very high rate and they haven't really shot the three-pointer as well as you would expected them to this year when you look at the guys they have I mean I think to me their team revolves around Jalen Ray we have not seen the Jalen Ray that we expected this year and I guess some of that's to be expected he didn't have to carry as much of the load you you had other ball dominant guards uh on the roster this year with obviously with Cooks and Estrada and so they didn't need him to do as much but it seems like he's just he hasn't looked right to me um sometimes even his body language and you know his shots have seemed kind of oh I've finally got the ball I, I need to shoot um, as opposed to being within the flow of the offense sometimes. And I think if if somehow it could click for him as we've seen it happen many times with seniors and they're kind of their last last go round and uh, I'm sure there deep down is still some disappointment lingering from 2020 when they when they qualified for the NCAA tournament and obviously it was canceled so <sighs> I think they have the most volatility. It would not surprise me if they won three games in a row. It would not surprise me if they lost to Charleston in the in, in the quarterfinals.
0: Jerry Beach and I are gonna be sweating it out <laughs> in DC, that whole quarterfinal matchup late into the late into the night. I will second what you said about Hofstra. I, I agree on your points about their volatility. Delaware is the four seed, kind of seems like a cop out to say they're a little shaky. Um I was looking for an excuse to start doubting UNCW, I was like, you know, sometimes they are a little three-point happy. Uh, have they been as good since the win streak ended? But I looked it up. They're six and three since that. Trezarian White has, like, come on all of a sudden. So now they just have, like, another talented player. Um, so I, I don't know if I can if I can say I'm worried about the Seahawks. Maybe I, I, I don't know if I'd take them over Towson, but Towson is, spoiler alert, my pick to win yeah. this whole thing. Now, if you're looking for a reason to doubt the Tigers, I think it would be Pat Scarry's coaching record in the postseason. Uh, Just two and nine. We've seen some really favored Tiger teams underachieve in the tournament. I don't think Pat's won a game in the tournament since 2019. So that's uh, a worrying issue. But uh, I would say I'm probably most confident in UNCW, second most confident in Towson. And then we'll go... Very worried about Delaware. Moderately worried about Hofstra. Something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That, I'm I'm kind of on the same page. You know, I mean, I'm right here. This Wilmington team's in my backyard, obviously, and and I keep up with them very closely. And I, I, they've been. It's been incredible what they've done. And like you said, every time you wanted to doubt them, they bounce back. Uh, you thought maybe the Towson, uh, when Towson came down here and and beat them badly, uh, that that could, uh, you know disrupt their confidence or their momentum and and maybe send them into a tailspin, especially with having to go to Drexel in Delaware on the last weekend of the season, you know, it looked, you could certainly see a path where things wouldn't go well, but to their credit uh, as you said, Trezarian White has now come on, uh, James Baker has has expanded his offensive role at times. Uh, even Amari Kelly had some good moments, a guy who who has not played a whole lot, but uh, but uncertain matchups can be beneficial. And then um that th- I think they're hopeful they'll get Jamari harvey back who who injured his ankle in the James Madison game and hasn't played since. Uh, I think the plan with him was just to sit him out this week and and hope that uh, or this past weekend and just hope that he could be ready. You know to practice and then and potentially play to, to give them a little more depth because uh, their rotation has gotten to be pretty tight here of late you know it's, it's pretty a pretty tight seven man rotation and i'm sure having that eighth guy uh, certainly over three days and uh, never knowing what type of whistles you may get especially in some of the earlier rounds of the conference tournament um it's good to have some bodies over there that you feel comfortable putting into the game but uh, no they've been, They've been great. I think Towson, top to bottom, is the best team. I think what separates this team from some of other sc- uh, scarys other teams is their offense. You know, I mean, they've always defended and rebounded and been tough, but we've just seen uh, so many poor shooting performances from them in the CAA tournament, and just uh, basically the other team being able to take away their one guy that could score, or, or, or you know, enforce the complimentary players to beat them, and they weren't able to do that. Feels like Towson's played many a night in that eight thirty game too, when there's not a lot of juice in the building necessarily, and uh, it can be you know it's a late start and can be difficult. But I just think this team has so many different guys who can beat you, and when Timberlake's playing well, I think they're unbeatable as in this conference. You know when he's. When you're getting the good Timberlake, and, you know, there's some variance there, but when he hits his first couple of shots, uh, he's probably going for 20. And when he does that, and uh, now with Nolan being back, and you know, that's another thing people forget is they played a lot of their season with two of their best players. One of them had a broken jaw, and the other one yeah. was dealing with some breathing issues. And uh, and now, you know, but the emergence of Charles Thompson has been the key to me. Like, uh, I've said it uh, a couple of times, he's the best two-way post player in this conference uh his defense against unc wilmington was what won the game for them because he was able to to keep the ball out of the paint and uh and uh you know force uncw in some tougher shots around the basket so uh i i think that uh you know pat every pat's like one of the veterans of the league now and and uh certainly has done a, a tremendous job there and uh it would be uh it would be pretty cool if they won it it would also be You can also make the same case for uh, a number of teams.
0: Yeah. It helps to have those three-headed monsters come tournament time. It seems like every CAA team that wins has a trio of like all-conference-type players, and UNCW has it. I think Towson has it with Holden, Thompson, and Timberlake. So that that can get you far. Um, Now, outside of star players. We did see some guys who were more off the radar, uh, like Hunter McIntosh last season who could swing a game, could bounce a top team out early, or could make a run. Do you have a a guy who's under the radar who you think could could swing a game? Ebi
1: Asamoa. Okay. From Delaware.
0: I mean he's a okay. guy that
1: can make six threes. You know, yeah. he could go oh for five also. But but he's a shooter and he's gonna shoot. And uh it seemed to me they were playing their best when when he was making shots and um, giving them some defense on the perimeter on the wing and you know he's kind of cooled off a little bit but he's certainly certainly capable. Uh, I think you know he, he's a guy and then um, Okros for Delaware, I mean Drexel is another guy too I mean who can make those two or three big threes in in, in, in a two-minute stretch, you know, in the second half to break open a game that's a one-point one point game and make it a nine-point game or whatever. And uh, so th- those are kind of the guys I'm looking at. And for Towson, Gibson is another guy that, um, you know, he, he's solid. He's a good ball handler. They've been starting him. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was still a somewhat competitive game at Wilmington. Then he had three threes in, in like two minutes in the second half and the game was over. So uh, – right. Those, uh, you know, this is a league that uh, that shoots a fair number of three-point shots just in general and uh, makes a, a fairly high percentage as well, right around the top 10 at both of all conferences in the league and, uh, you know, one of the more efficient leagues as well. So uh, there, there's going to be some opportunity for some guys to, 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 to step up. I like both those guys as, as being potential difference makers.
0: Yeah, you went the uh, Omar Silverio route of shooters who could get hot all of a sudden and and swing a game. He's one for me. Uh, I already mentioned Rain Smith. I think Rain, just because Charleston is overall a very poor three-point shooting team, that if Rain rains in three or four, I could really break a game open. I wanted to zig or or zag on just picking a shooter. I, I just saw what this guy can do, but what if Amari Williams from Drexel... Has a monster double double with three blocks, like, and the guards from Drexel play their game, and Cam Winters himself, and and everything, and James Butler pops off the bench. Uh, Amari Williams to me looks like a guy who's gonna be a beast in the league the next couple seasons, and I, I don't know if he'll make first team All CAA, but uh, he he's on that path. I could see he had a monster game. Was in the game before Drexel played Charleston. I forget who they played, but monster double double, and I think he could uh could dominate a game unexpectedly.
1: No, I I agree. Um, I think that game was against Wilmington, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah, and, you're uh,
1: right. I actually went to the game when Drexel played UNCW here, and the first thing you notice about that guy is his size. I mean, he is he's got an NBA body. You know, there's a lot of guys that are listed at six foot nine. They're like, whatever. But uh, hit, hit the width of his shoulders and the length of his arms and just the way he moves around the court, he's pretty fluid. Uh, still figuring it out on the offensive end a little bit, but capable. But, uh, yeah, he he he's a problem around the basket, especially for, you know, a, a team like UNCW that, that likes to penetrate and get into the paint. Most of these teams, you know, they have guards who want to drive to the basket and, uh, you know, when you can beat your man and then he's waiting for you, that certainly, uh, that certainly can change a game when baskets are hard to come by as they can be in in conference tournament games. So, yeah, I like him. I'm on board with you there. Uh, I think Michael Graham for Elon. Yeah. He's another good,
0: talented talented young player.
1: Similar, you know, I mean, I think he's had some really good games at times this year and then he's like most young, big guys dealt with some foul trouble at times as well. And uh, being the target of the other team's scouting report, which is new to him, but, he he's a guy who you could see uh, you know, have, have a nice little little stretch for for Elon as well. And and with their guards uh, you know, ability to make some shots, I mean, that that would could possibly put them in a good position.
0: I like Graham a lot as well. All right, well, let's let's stop beating around the bush. Uh who's your pick to win this thing and and make your case? Um, I think there's gonna be some
1: carnage early, uh, but I think we're gonna end up with a chalky final. I think Towson and Wilmington are the best two teams and they, yeah. did it, they did it get it done in different ways, but I think they've proven on the road at home. I think Towson has like nine or 10 road wins this year, which is among the leaders in division one. Uh, Wilmington has, has, has shown time and again that uh, they just play harder than everybody. I'm not everybody. I'm not going to say they play harder than Charleston because Charleston plays very hard and but, but their energy, their effort, their togetherness is, you know, those intangibles are, are something that kind of allow them to outperform their metrics. And they have a strong belief. They have the veteran uh, guys that you want uh, guys like Sims and Akaro guys who haven't had much success during their college career. And, are uh, you know, I don't think they're going to back down from this opportunity. So I, I think we've got Towson nipping UNCW in an epic, CAA final and Pat scary finally getting the tigers from one in 31 his first year to the NCAA tournament
0: would be, would be quite poetic. That's what I'm rooting for as well. Already sung UNCW's praises. I guess we didn't mention Jalen Sims yet. He's also in the running for player of the year. I think he's fantastic. Um, but Towson is big. They're old, they're talented. They play defense and they now have the offensive kick. Like you mentioned, they have that trio of Holden, Thompson, and Timberlake, plus a guy like Gibson who may be able to, to pull you out of a game. If Towson hangs on to beat Delaware in this final portion of, of that game, I think they go in with a lot of momentum. So um, I, I also think Towson maybe gives the CAA a better representative in, in the NCAAs, Um You know, they've just taken down some better non-conference teams. And I I like the way they would match up with a a power five type team. So I will, I will join you in picking Towson, but I I do expect it to be Towson versus UNCW in in a really good final.
1: You know, there, there have been years last year was kind of the exception, right? Where we had the six versus the eight. I mean, more times than not in this conference over the last 10 to 15 years, it gets pretty chalky towards the end you know one verse three uh or, or or one verse two a lot of times in the finals and uh i think in a, in a year when the leagues enjoyed a nice resurgence um the the best teams should rise over over the course of three days but uh anything's possible that's why we tune in
0: ain't nothing left to it but to do it uh <laughs> the game's not played on on paper and we can simulate it as much as we want but yeah we'll see how everything shakes out in the tournament but uh Brian, you've been very generous with your time today. I Appreciate you coming on. It's great chatting with you. Are you are you making the trip up to DC?
1: That's the plan right now. Um okay. I'm um, I've got a a furlough from my wife uh, uh, to get out for a little bit, so okay. I'm actually going to the Big South tournament for a couple of days in Charlotte, and then uh, venturing up uh, up to the greater DC area. I think uh, the plan right now is to be there for the semis and the finals. Um, I may pull a wild card or, or, or audible and, uh, and, and skip the finals of the big South and just come up for uh, the quarters as well. But there's something about, uh, we'll see, there's something about being there for championship Sunday at any mid major conference, just to enjoy that experience and, and, and watch, uh, you know, what it means to,
0: to the winning team. Yeah. Well, we'll have to uh, enjoy an adult beverage together. If you do make it up and Charleston still in the tournament and I'm not, crying somewhere else because <laughs> they've been eliminated in the first round again but brian appreciate it man thanks again for for coming through
1: yeah thanks tommy uh, enjoy the tournament all righty